Welcome to episode three of Every 98 Anonymous But Brave. I'm Emmy. And I'm Sebastian. You are listening to the second official attempt to record this episode. Yay feedback. Yay. Sounded worse than a 90s dial-up internet. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. If the people who said the words can't distinguish what was being said on Listen Back, it's pretty bad. If you have not listened to any other episodes of this podcast, we discuss uh, sexual harassment, sexual assault, rape, things of that nature, domestic violence. Things of a sexual and violent nature. Mm-hmm. And we also use curse words a lot. Yeah. So fucking much. Mm-hmm. So just giving you a basic disclaimer that uh, there may be some topics that are a little risque and these a little are, too much for some people. Yeah, these are people's personal stories. We try not to let things get too graphic or explicit, but if it does come to that point, we will pre-warn people. It's not like we're going into the disgusting, gross, minute details of of people's lives. Right. And everything that we divulge is already uh, agreed upon between the people sharing their stories and what we are putting out. We we will never, ever put out something that has not been agreed upon. Because that's not cool. These are people's personal stories, and... Whether you want to, whether you want to send us the story openly or anonymously, we will respect that, and we will only tell what you allow us to. Uh, today's contributor actually phoned in her story, yes. but because she remembered things later on and emailed more details, uh, we figured it would be easier to transcribe the phone call insert the updates via email and right. read it to you in a whole format. Yes. We're going to be reading uh, the transcription of it, but the original phone call, we're going to try to upload and make that available to here because the, the, the person who told the story allowed us to do that. And we think it's important that if they allow us to, that you can hear it from her own words. Yeah. There's a certain something about yeah. hearing someone talk about their their own story in their own words Makes while listening impactful. to their own vo- voice. Yeah. Yeah. So this story does include a couple of names. It's not our position to reveal whether or not they are the actual names of the people involved or names used to protect privacy. Mm-hmm. It's not our story. And even if they... Uh, even if the names were changed beforehand, we would have no way of knowing. Yeah. So, but it is too difficult so to. It is too difficult to refer to the people in the story as he, he, and he. So, so that, they do have names now. Yeah, that is why the names exist in the story. All right, and without further ado, I met this person who's going to be my husband at the university we were attending, and it was a sort of a whirlwind thing. There was. I didn't recognize it at first because everything happened so fast. Control issues. He asked me to be his little mommy. He didn't want me going out with the girlfriends to go to tea. We met in January. By March, I was pregnant. Then things really got into the power control 
and we ended up packing up all our stuff and moving to California to move in with his parents in June. We got married in a huge wedding at the Ritz-Carlton in Pasadena, and there were 200 people there, and my parents and my cousins were the only people I knew. Then we came back up to the Seattle area on the Olympic Peninsula to have a reception for my side and my friends. The night before, he insisted that we go to a to this specific restaurant that was really expensive, but he insisted we go there. So we went there and because he was so insistent, everybody thought he was paying, which he did, but he was really mad about it. Before we moved up, he had started to show physical violence, grabbing me and shaking me, hitting me, urinating on me in the shower and really unpleasant things. Forcing anal sex on me as punishment. Just for a second, can we just talk about how really messed up that is? Just to start out with, just, uh, you know, not allowing them to go, not allowing her to go out with friends or see anybody, like, outside of his circle. Well, yeah. And that's just, it's, it's one of those things that we've talked about before where it's just, like, the grooming that starts on early. Mm-hmm. Where you you separate them from comfort, the people, make them reliant on you. Yeah, the people who care about you, your friends, your family, usually see things before you do. Yeah, and they are usually pretty vocal about the things they oh, see. Yeah. And so, for someone who is trying to manipulate you, it's in their best favor. Yeah, to get you away from that as soon as possible and as completely as possible. Exactly. So that they that they have no backup plan or support plan to mm-hmm. to back themselves up on so that they they've really got nothing else. Yeah, no one to tell them, "Oh, you're not crazy. That was weird." Yeah. No one to be there if something happens and you need assistance. Yeah, and and it's just that kind of stuff. And it didn't and it starts with that. I feel like, uh, there, I mean, she talked about, you know, like a certain amount of time happening and it definitely moved up to the, like the physical punishment. Well, yeah. And she and mentioned. It starts with the mental punishment and the psychological punishment with the separating everything. She mentioned there was control issues that she didn't notice that were, yeah. were right in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it happens like hindsight 2020 and all yeah. that kind of stuff. But yeah, no, and it's just red flags look like look normal when you have rose tinted glasses mm-hmm. is a term I've heard before. Which is why it always starts as a whirlwind. Mm-hmm. That is a which, common thing. Which means, yeah, we met in and got pregnant three months later, so now we're stuck together forever. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. This this is something that happens often, and it usually happens in the same way. And a lot of the people who go through this situation have a very similar story. Right. Continuing with the story, walking way too fast, we went out with two friends, a friend of mine and a friend of his, to a museum or something. And he got really angry and frustrated over I don't even know what and just stopped ahead of me. Even before this, while we were up at the UW, he was eating with his mouth open in the bedroom. And I was kind of queasy because I was pregnant. I said, you're eating with your mouth open. Would you eat in the other room? And he got really furious with me. His face turned all red and he jammed his hands into his shorts 
pockets and ripped them off himself sideways. Not by pulling him down, but they he broke the seams. You know, like the Hulk, mm-hmm. who is a rational beast. We got married on the 17th of June. We came back up here. After we went to the restaurant, he was really angry and he had to pay. And he said, well, I'm not going to the reception, which was the next day. And I had just had enough and said, okay, fine. He made some calls and I drove him to the airport the next morning. And I had my wedding reception without him. Fucked up. Yeah. I don't like what you're doing. I'm not even going to join you at our own reception. <sighs> and just imagine how uncomfortable with the entire situation she must have been because she had already experienced imagine. violence at this point. Right. And he's freaking out about having to pay a huge bill. Yeah. It, it's, it's not necessarily brought up here, but I'm sure... That was a terrifying moment for her. What? Uh, never mind. I was looking at a timeline of if she had received physical violence. Because, I mean... Yeah, at this it, point... It goes, they, it goes a little over the place. So I didn't know if they were... They, yeah. But at yeah, this no, point, it's, she had come back to the Olympic Peninsula for the reception. Mm-hmm. And she mentioned before that had happened... He had already been violent. Yes. He would call me and harass me. It was verbal abuse and mental abuse and just really not pleasant. Because I refused to go back to Pasadena, he'd say things like, you're mine and I own you and this and that. I had just got a job at a bed and breakfast, making up the rooms in the morning like you do. I lived with my parents and I eventually got an apartment across the alley from my parents. I was doing fine, but he was constantly calling me and berating me and belittling me. On the 6th of September, 1995, I was five or six months pregnant, and he said, quote, I'm going to kill you, and I'm going to ruin your car so you can't get away. My water broke that day. That was a complication because I was so early in my pregnancy. Luckily, my parents lived close to the hospital. I was in premature labor. They stopped it, and I was on bed rest until November 26th when I gave birth to a healthy boy. He did end up ruining my car. Yeah. Just the whole mentality of, like, well, we're married, so you're my property now is the most fucked up thing. And that still exists. That's not a 1995 thing. No. (laughs) (laughs) Also, that was never a 1995 thing. That was a... Chivalrous, misogynistic bullshit thing. Yeah. Just always. Well, I mean, it hasn't been an always thing. It's been a patriarchy thing. There are right. matriarchal societies are, that do yeah. not have that problem. They were rad as fuck. <laughs> like, one of the greatest pirates ever was a woman that just, like, had fleets of, of ships. And it's great. Yeah, and to be clear... She had this complication because of his threats. She was already in a lot of stress. Yep. Yeah. Uh, even without the phone call, she was in a lot of stress because she was now most likely a single mother. Yeah, yeah. Trying to figure out, you know, the whole work thing, the whole house thing, the whole 
being a mom thing. On top of that, she was getting phone calls from a violent man telling her that she was his. And then on top of that, he threatens her. Can we just say, we live, like, as, as shitty... As shitty as it might be these days, we live in the greatest time in the world, technologically and socially and whatever speaking, because this happened in 1995. If this happened these days, that would have been recorded and he would have been arrested for threatening someone's life. Possibly, yes. Yeah, there's a much better chance of that. Yes. At least. Like a billion times better chance. But, like, you can't say that to somebody. Mm-hmm. And you don't get to say, well, it's it's uh, First Amendment free speech. No. That's like yelling fire in a movie theater. You can't do that. Yeah. That's not how this works. You have threatened someone's life. And it's absurd and crazy that he's able to get away with that. Yeah, he threatened her life and he made good on half of his promise. Yeah. He ruined her car. He did ruin her car. So what's to say so she wouldn't also kill her? If she went to the police and said, hey, uh, he threatened my life and said he's also going to destroy my car. If the police say, well, we don't have any audio recordings of him or any proof that he threatened your life. And then your car gets destroyed and you're like, one out of two. <laughs> Could you maybe, like, send an officer around once in a while, please? The domestic violence laws are ridiculous. Oh, they're absurd. And they were worse in the 90s. Oh. I'm not entirely sure that would have been enough to do anything. You're a woman. Why did you get rights? I'm pretty Which sure. Which is still kind of the same. I'm pretty sure they legitimately have to have been violent. Yeah. There, there has to be physical signs on her, mm-hmm. on her person that he was violent. Yes. But even with that factoring in, I'm still not entirely sure there's anything she could have done about it. No. And it's ridiculous. Which is terrifying. It is. And that's one of the many reasons we're doing this. All right. Continuing on. Uh, we got married on June 17th. On July 18th, a month and a day later, uh-huh. I received divorce papers from him, and they didn't mention anything about a child, so I didn't sign them. He was just calling me and harassing me all the time, demanding that I come back to California. I said, well, it seems to me I'm the one with a place to stay and a job, so if you want to work things out, you can come up here. He never did. The divorce went on for four years. I sent him, I sent him and his mother the first pictures you get at the hospital, and my son was born with coal black hair, and I'm a redhead, and his dad had salt and pepper hair at the time, but it was brown. But for some reason, Bruce was born with black hair. The person I had been seeing before, I was seeing Bruce's dad, was Japanese. But this Japanese man had a vasectomy, so this Japanese man, and I knew it couldn't be his. Bruce's dad cut everything off. He said, the baby's not mine, the baby's Japanese. His mother, you know, her marriages had been violent as well. I learned that from a cousin of theirs. 
Bruce's dad's dad, Grandpa William, died three days before Bruce was born. Just, that person just doesn't understand genealogy. No. Red hair is recessive. Yeah. Black you, you hair is You put anything on top of red hair, it's, it's going to overtake it. Yeah. Uh, he he probably because he has brown hair has both red and black hair genes. It's an awkward thing, but either way, vasectomy trumps you whatever you think it should be. Yeah. Like there's even in 1995 there is tests you can do to be yeah. sure. And there's but, plenty of research to show that. You know, red hair is recessive. Right, right. It was still there in the 90s. It's but also, not a new thing. But also, if this person is like, well, yeah, that, that baby is Japanese, um, then you're relinquishing all claim to that kid. If you're saying it's not yours and that's somebody else's, you may... Uh, I mean, maybe not in those laws, but, like, in today's laws, maybe it could be relinquishing... Yeah, but it's not something. that simple. I, I know, it's more Not only does that, he not make it that simple, yeah. but she is, you know, a single mom. Single moms usually rely on things like child support... Yes. ...to be a single mom. That's fair. Yeah. So it's not enough to just be like, okay, fine, bye, and walk away. There is there is motive and reason to try and convince him, no, this is your son. This is all very true. You need to help me. Yeah. You can't just walk away and say bye. Right. right. <laughs> but also, you know, you should walk away because you're abusive. Yes. Well, which, uh, which, from my understanding, is what I thought she was trying to do. Well, yeah, she doesn't want a relationship with him, but yeah. you don't need a relationship for child support. I know. Yeah. Oh, that's fair. Very complicated issues. Yeah, getting away, getting out of a, a domestic violence relationship is a lot easier when kids are not involved. Yeah. But just because kids are involved does not mean that if you are in that situation, you should not do everything in your power to try and get out of that's it. That's fair. It just, it, just uh, it makes it a little more complicated. It does. Actually, a lot more complicated. And domestic violence is complicated enough as it is. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> uh, okay. Please continue. And there was one time when I was down in Pasadena that he was shaking me and roughhousing me and throwing me around. I tried to call the police, but his mother and Lauren wouldn't let me call the police. I tried to call a friend, and she said, I don't know. I don't really want to get in the middle of things. It was a bad situation. He didn't leave any doubt that when he threatened to kill me, he could eventually kill me. I worked as long as I could. Uh, I couldn't really work after my water broke because I was on bed rest to not have the baby. Then out of the blue, my very first boyfriend and his now wife, who was his wife at the time too, came to visit me and given me a bassinet and... Uh, they bought me a TV, which was really sweet, but I didn't have cable, so it was kind of pointless. Oh, the times before Netflix and Hulu and stuff. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, you still need to pay for internet for that, but yeah, still. This Alex was my very first boyfriend from when I was a teenager, and Rebecca was his wife at the time. Rebecca said, when you feel up to it, my mom will give you a job and you can stay at our apartment until you have first last months and a deposit. So that's what happens. I was able to bring my son with me to nurse him for a while. I eventually got a place right across the street from where I worked. By the time he was born, his dad had expressed some interest in seeing him, but he didn't have any rights because he was still denying the baby was his. So, you know, simultaneously to him claiming that baby is not mine, that baby is Japanese, he is also expressing a lot to see him. Yeah, so when are you going to start giving me money for child support if you think it's your baby? So my parents agreed to take my son to a mall to meet in a public area. That way Bruce's dad could see Bruce. My dad wouldn't let him take Bruce into his arms. His dad said, well, I have everything ready. I'm just going to take him now. The police were called. There was a big brouhaha. He didn't get custody or anything, and he didn't get to take my son anywhere. Yeah. You know, that he's not mine, but I have everything I need to take him. It's fine. Yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> I, I, I've been denying no, no. his, his uh, whatever, but... Uh... I'm being, I'm denying him as my progeny, but uh, I will take him now. And also, I have Fun a history of abusing. being an abusive asshole. Yeah. The fact that he could even try to do that is absurd. Mm-hmm. I can't even imagine. I'm sorry, personal moment here. Yeah. Our new kitty, Isabella, is letting me give her just like the most serious belly, belly rubs. Yeah. And it's kind I, of I saw, I saw the legs to kind of move. So. <laughs> the fact that he can even try to do that while also disparaging the fact that it is not his kid uh, is just the most absurd thing I've ever heard. Where you can say, it's not my kid, but... Uh, also give me my kid. Also give me my kid. Yeah. It's Schrodinger's kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, because it's all manipulation. He, it's it not is. that he actually believed yeah. that it wasn't his son. He just wanted to try and make things as confusing and, and complicated as possible. Oh, absolutely. It's, it is all manipulation. It's all just like... And it's, it's not even like smart or swift manipulation. No. It is just... It's more like... I want to say, like, hammer. React, reactionary. Yeah, reactionary, like, like, like a fucking sledgehammer manipulation. Where he's saying, it's not my kid for so long, but then saying, well, we were together at the time, so it might be my kid, so I want to take it from her. Because he doesn't even care about the kid. He just cares about what how it's going to affect her. That's how it seems, at least. Yeah, that is how it seems. Yeah. All right, anyway, sorry, continuing. Uh, the whole time, it was just one filing after another. And we're talking about uh, the divorce and, uh, and or uh, custody paperwork. Yeah. He was outspending me, basically. Mm-hmm. He would file things after he was supposed to and just drive up to the court drive up the court costs until my parents couldn't afford to pay for the attorney anymore. 
Eventually, I found an attorney I could work for. The divorce case is about five file boxes full, which is... Let's let's be fair. That is like 50,000 sheets of paper. Yeah. Plus, probably. Mm-hmm. Just, just spitballing. <laughs> I don't actually know, but it's probably it's close to there. It's a lot. At least. Uh, which is a result of everything he filed. A lot. Which I responded to. Minimal as possible. Fair. Yeah. The divorces, the divorce ended in 1999, and the custody case ended in 2002. It was misery. Uh, there was one time that we were in court, and Bruce walked up to me, and he was like four, and said, "You're a bitch, mommy," which is just the fucking worst. It's sad and adorable at the same time. He has no idea what he's saying. He has no idea, and the fact is, the father made him do that. And it's... Or the supposed father... This this piece of trash of a human being made him do that. Yeah. Or or said it offhandedly. And the son overheard and repeated it. I doubt that, because he didn't have custody, so any kind of very small, short amount of time that he had with him probably taught him to try to say that shit. Yeah, but kids will will gravitate to the weirdest things. You say a curse word around them once... But and it's their it's favorite, their word, favorite word. Because it's <laughs> the first true. time they've ever heard it. They're that's like, true. I I heard this really cool thing about you. I but heard that is... you're a bitch. What does that mean? But, uh, I'm pretty sure in this particular case, it's like uh, teaching a parrot to say something. Probably, wrong. yeah. He told a friend of mine, you can take any piece of furniture you want if you testify on my side. Of course, she told me about it later and didn't testify for him. Oh, look, he's trying to do way weird manipulation shit. Mm-hmm. All this time, the mental harassment and emotional abuse kept going on. He would spy on me, have me followed around, and made this condition that if I had dates that I'd only been seeing for a couple of weeks, he'd file the saying where if I showed any instability in my adult relationships, custody was in question. So, like that is just super harassment. Yeah, basically, what's going on is if she's dating someone for less than two weeks and stops dating them, she's unstable. Yeah, and can't be relied on. But also, just the fact, just the fact that uh, he is able to have contact with her while this court filings are going on is ridiculous. And I don't know how it was then, because this was between 1995 and 2002. Yeah. Right? I don't know if things have changed, but he should have never had any kinds of dealings with her. Like, and if he did, probably should have been thrown out immediately against him and ruled in favor of her. Because he's doing nothing but harassment. He is literally hiring people to harass her and stalk her. Yeah. And it, like, this this entire thing just kind of blows my fucking mind. 
the ridiculousness of the court system that happens on a day-to-day basis, I kind of, like, I understand that. But the fact that it happens, it just boggles my mind that it's allowed. It was ridiculous, but I had to stick with it. So I stuck with this guy who was also abusive longer than I should have. Ugh. It went on and on until the October just before Bruce turned six. Well, the August before Bruce turned six. I won full primary custody and his dad could have visitations. In October, I ended up being poisoned. My phone line was cut off. Maybe the electricity to the house was cut off. And he had taken my son from school for visitation and I never got him back. I had to be in the hospital for a couple of weeks. Yeah, this is this is uh, getting into the most fucked up, in my opinion, like the most fucked up part of the story. From from what I've heard from other things, the visitation, when it's something like this, is generally supposed to be supervised. Because of the fact that she didn't specify it was supervised, I'm guessing that's not the case. Okay. And as far as she has made aware... None of the divorce proceedings included information about him being abusive or anything like that. It seemed like she was trying to... But she had primary primary custody, which means she got to control when the visitations happened. Probably, yes. Yeah. Uh, So, like... Well, you know, this was all planned around his visitation. Right, right. No, and it's just... This is the fucked up bullshit that, like, that went on because, I mean, the guy already expressed it, saying, I don't give a shit about this kid because it's probably not my kid. But just to, just to kind of give a big old fuck you, I'm going to spend all this money and time to try to get this kid out that I have already denounced. Uh, just to fuck you. And this is, this is the last bit of the story. And it is really fucked up and really difficult. Because, like, it, like, as much as the, the first two parts hurt my heart, this is, this kills me. No, I agree, it does. It's, it's the worst. But, uh, but here we go. The police officer had to wait for four hours so my parents could get from the Olympic Peninsula to my house while I was still going out of my gourd trying to make him fish sticks. It was really, really wrenching. They found PCP and other street drugs in my system. By the way, no... No, uh... History of drugs in her system. No. Before. So, I mean, already suspect for her to be, like, ODing on all sorts of bullshit. Like, I've been known to drink, but I've never done hard drugs, to my knowledge, but they were found in my system. It wasn't until two years later that because I was just completely disabled, mentally, emotionally, PTSD just disabled that disabled that I got disability payments from Social Security. And it took until he was eight, so two years that I could afford to get visitation rights from him. So like started at six, took two years, 
once he was finally eight, she finally got visitation rights. Mm-hmm. And only yeah. because she was getting disability. Yeah. I, I went on a weekend, and it was just prohibitively expensive. Uh, all this time, I wasn't allowed to talk to Bruce on the phone. He wasn't getting any letters from me that I sent, any packages that I sent, nothing. So, essentially, the father kidnapped the kid away from the mother because he poisoned her mm-hmm. and uh, made it seem like she was an unfit parent. And yeah. then any time there was, like, and just broke off all communication. Yeah. Which is just classic manipulation techniques. Mm-hmm. So this kid never gets to know her mom, his mom, sorry, and had the only reference that he has is from, you know, when he was four years old. Yeah. And then his dad saying a whole bunch of bullshit. I didn't see him again until he was 18. That's uh, another 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. I went to Pasadena and I stayed in a hotel for four days trying to get in touch with him. On the last day, he said, I can meet you at such and such place. So we went and we walked around and he said, I heard every time you called mom, but I was afraid to answer. That is the most heartbreaking thing I've ever heard. Just... He knew that the mom was constantly trying to talk to him, make sure he's okay, make sure, whatever, just be a part of his life. But the father just made sure that it never happened. Yeah. And and made him too afraid to answer the phone. He's an abuser. Yeah. And manipulator. Like, what kind of shit do you even tell an 18-year-old to make them so afraid to answer the phone? To talk to someone, that's that's some fucked up shit. Mm-hmm. That's some real fucked up shit. And in the last paragraph, oh, we're in touch. With, slightly happier now. We're in touch on Facebook now. I've tried calling sometimes. At my request, he'll call on my birthday, so maybe once a year I'll hear his voice. Right now, he's at UCLA. And he's a manager of a Japanese electronics store, and he's got a girlfriend, so he's awfully busy, and I haven't heard much from him. Like, I'm, I'm glad he's doing well, but... That's so fucked up. Yeah. This one was a hard one. Yeah. Just, like, it, it was the hardest, like... She got, she got, like, halfway murdered, and her kid's stolen. Yeah. And, I mean, to be fair to the police officers, you know, they they found someone who was drugged out of their mind. Generally speaking, when people who are users are drugged out of their mind and they're, you know, put in a situation where yeah. they're in the hospital and being looked at for abuse of drug use, they'll, sell, they'll say anything they can yeah. to try and deny that that's what actually happened. Yeah. I'm not saying that that's what she did, but I can understand why the police officers would hear her say, it wasn't me, I was drugged, and think, oh, well, she's just another she's junkie just another, trying to yeah. get out of a, get out of trouble. Yeah. And, and like, we, we understand how that happens. 
But, but at the same time, you have to look at the history. That's one of the reasons Does she why have history he did it. Drug abuse? Does this happen often? And apparently not. No, but and, but this was also the the early two thousands. And that's why he early did it the way he did. Yeah, is because it was something that was easy for people to brush off as her being an issue. Yeah. And it's it's always about uh, replacing the blame. But anything that somebody do, does to try to help themselves that they can make backfire, they will always try to, uh, like, replace the blame. Yeah. Like, make sure that it's not them that did something wrong. It's, it's you that did something wrong because you tried to do stuff. Like... You tried to get away, and you twisted your ankle. Well, this is your fault for trying to run from me. Yeah. And and just stuff like that. We should probably talk about the definition of domestic violence. Yeah. Uh, Uh, Because this is an important thing, because apparently domestic violence has changed. Oh, you want to talk about that right now? To be ridiculous. The definition of domestic violence has recently changed. And by recently, we're talking, uh, I guess, April of last year. It has has officially been a year now. Uh, We should say, uh, just to specify, the legal definition. What we're talking about Mm -hmm. is... uh, The previous definition, which was set up under Obama, I'm going to say his name again because there are a lot of people in this world who like to blame him for everything that has gone wrong, and they clearly have not been paying attention. Um, The previous definition included critical components of the phenomenon that experts recognize as domestic abuse. And before I continue, this is a quote... Uh, from an article that I am going to be putting up in the reference and notes section of the episode. Yes. Also, before anything goes on further, we are not a political podcast, and we would prefer not to bring politics into this, but this is more of an ethical thing. Yes. The previous definition included critical components of the phenomenon that experts recognize as domestic abuse, a pattern of deliberate behavior, the dynamics of power and control, and behaviors that encompass physical or sexual violence as well as forms of emotional, economic, or psychological abuse. So, that includes the things that he was doing... Yes. In this story. Things like Literally calling, everything he was doing. Things like calling her, harassing her over the phone. It would make it economically hard for her to do anything. Also, uh, definitely uh, the psychological abuse. Yeah, the uh, throwing, throwing her around, mm-hmm. hitting her, all of that is a pattern of deliberate behavior. Literally everything on the list. Yes. It... You know, he expressed emotional, economic, and psychological abuse. So, in Obama's definition of domestic violence, she would have been covered. Yes. Of course, this happened well after the event she relayed, but she would have been covered 
Yes. With his she new was, roles. She was in the Clinton slash Bush administration. When this but... Happened. But now, in the, the new administration, the current one we are in right now. Yes, but in the Trump Justice Department, only harms that constitute a felony or misdemeanor crime may be called domestic violence. The point of Obama's rules were to prevent violence from getting so bad that people were hospitalized. Right. So, for example... A woman whose partner isolates her from her family and friends, monitors her every move, belittles and berates her. Hmm, that sounds familiar. Yeah, no. Or denies her access to money to support herself and her children is not a victim of domestic violence in the eyes of Trump's Department of Justice. This makes no sense for an office charged with funding and implementing solutions to the problem of domestic violence rather than merely prosecuting individual abusers. Yeah. We had appropriate preventative measures in place which kept people safe and which reduced the number of uh, people hospitalized for violent situations. Yeah. And apparently, that was too inconvenient. Yeah. Well, because that is... Uh, we, we were also talking about the fact that that is some of the stipulations that people are trying to get, mm-hmm. uh, you know, over the border and seek asylum because of. Yes, because of the fact that and he rescinded... Uh, he rescinded these rules for mm-hmm. domestic violence. Anyone seeking asylum has to prove that the person they are seeking asylum from in a border situation has to prove that the person they are seeking asylum from committed a felony or misdemeanor. Let me just look that up in the government documents that are so readily available to us. Oh, wait. They're not. Yes. Also, just so everybody knows... If you're seeking asylum, you need to currently be in that country to ask for asylum. That is literally in our laws in the Geneva Convention. Yeah, but we're not going to talk about that. We're, we're not. I just wanted to say, just in general. it's the, That's not what this is about. It's not what this is about. but That is what this law change is about, but that's not yes. what this podcast is about. It's, it's affected by that. That's all. We're also going to be sharing links to a hotline site that includes information about what domestic violence looks like. Uh, some of the things they bring up are using coercion and threats, using intimidation, yeah. emotional abuse, isolation, minimizing, denying, and blaming, which is what you were talking about yes. a little bit earlier, yes. using children using male privilege, and Mm. using economic abuse. All of this is considered to be forms of domestic violence. Yes. But thank you for joining us. And you can check us out on our website, every98.com or anonymousbutbrave.com. Both links will work. We have our episodes up there as well as... uh, some blog posts. You can also submit 
stories on our website if you would like. There's a form which will allow you to keep the name space blank if you decide you wanted to submit anonymously. And we will only publish what you agree to. Yeah. Uh, we are also on Facebook at facebook.com slash anonymous but brave. And that is the best place to find me as far as social media is concerned. Uh, I am also on Twitter at but brave because I don't know how to Twitter and I'm pretty sure I was supposed to pick something. I did not pick something. <laughs> it was picked for me. So yes, it is at but brave. Well, we'll figure it out as we go along. But uh, but we will always uh, accept submissions. Hopefully this helps. As we go along, we'll try to provide more information. We are currently switching back and forth between personal stories and media. So the next episode is going to be covering the Surviving R. Kelly series that went out on Lifetime. Shit is crazy. Yeah. It has a lot of similarities to this story today. It really does. It's almost like abusers have a pattern. Yeah, weird, right? A deliberate pattern of behavior. You know, like we tried to prevent. (laughs) Right? No, that you should actually probably listen to people when they talk to you. Yeah. Um, In general. After that is going to be another personal story and we're just going to continue on with that format for the most part if we ever feel that more information is needed on a subject than one episode can cover then we might have little in-betweeners like episode 1.5 right or if it's just long enough we might just make it a double episode who knows yeah um, but please, if you if you want to share your story, and if you feel like you want to help out somebody else by sharing your story, please do. We're we're always open and always willing to listen to you, and we want to raise awareness by having people share their experiences, whether anonymously or open. Like we both think it just helps. In general. Yeah. You know, it, it gains awareness and it, it hopefully sh- shows a pattern that maybe somebody didn't see before that maybe they're seeing now. Mm-hmm. We just, we want to help everybody and the best way to help is to get the stories out there. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons why for launch we are having a giveaway, one of which is for story contributors you have until April 19th, 19, to submit a story and qualify for the giveaway. Sorry about my chair. Yeah, it's very loud and very squeaky, which is extremely it's disappointing because it's new. <laughs> New-ish. Yeah, so it's April 19th to qualify. The giveaway is going to be on the 20th during mm-hmm. the launch party reason we're updating that is because we figured it was probably too much to uh, have people listen to everything in two days and try to review and 
everything. So we wanted to we wanted to push it off a little bit so that we could actually have some time for people to do stuff, so that we could actually get a decent launch and yeah. Get on top going on. on top of giveaways for story contributors, we are also having giveaways for honest reviews and shares. Which, because of the nature of shares, it's not really trackable. We have a thread on the Facebook page where right. if you tag a friend, uh, you are automatically entered to win. Yeah. So, contributors, reviewers, and shares. Yes. Yes. And by honest reviewers, we are talking about, you know, anyone who leaves a review. Obviously, we're hoping we're not going to get a bunch of one stars, but hey... If you feel like this is a one-star podcast, at least tell at least us, tell us why. Yeah, at least uh, tell us. We understand. Like we're we're starting out. We're trying to do something, and we're doing the best we can with what we've got. Yeah. Uh, so thank you. Have a good day. Uh, you should right. see. Yeah. You should see our new episodes up on Mondays. New blog posts right. up on Sundays. I am going to do my absolute best to make sure that I stick to that schedule. But if it becomes too much uh, with my with my own job increasing its hours constantly, yeah, right. I will let you know. Yeah, we'll let, we'll let you know what, what happens as we go on. Yeah. Bye.